Welcome to Milestone Builders Show where we invite all the real estate professionals in our podcast to answer all your questions from finance to real estate to investment to hard money lending, uh, building a portfolio, everything going to be revealed in here for all our audience. Uh, with that being said, please follow all our social medias right here. We're going to post them right on the screen uh, so we can uh, let you guys know on our uh, social medias what is our next subject in our upcoming episode so you can ask your questions so hopefully we can answer them all right here other than that without further ado uh let's welcome our today's guest this is a special episode this is our very first episode and we got a special offer on this episode for all our audience it's coming from pretty much our team my man brian how's it going great to have you here yeah. Brian is uh, the magic behind all our success in our team. Uh, he's one of the lenders that I truly believe he's one of the best in, in the nation, not only in this town. Not that uh, he's here I'm saying that. I said it many, many times behind him as well because I, I'm a true believer. I've been doing real estate for the last 10 years. Uh, I bought, I sold, I invest, I've, I've refinanced, and I've dealt with many different lenders. And uh, finally, this is it. I'm not going back. I'm not looking back. I'm not going to switch. This is the man that all my buyers uh, in our team, they're going through him, and, and uh, he's just making it happen, and it's smooth. That's the most important part. Working with a good lender that um, he's been through enough files over the last 15, 20 years that he knows how to run the uh, uh, transaction from A to Z so smooth that there's no stress for anyone and everyone knows exactly at any given time where we are and uh, what needs to be done and we close it on time without any issues. Matter of fact, this morning, we just gave a key to one of our uh, sellers that sold, sold their home with me and also purchased another one which Brian did the loan and they were extremely happy. We're going to post that testimonial on our social media as well. Uh, with that being said, as I said, today we do have a super special offer because there's two big events. Our very, very first episode is launching today for Milestone Builders Show. And also, it happened to be a Veterans Day. Happy Veterans Day to everyone that served our country and kept us safe. And uh, before the show, we were just talking about uh, what we can do for our veterans to hopefully be able to uh, appreciate their service. And um, Brian, do you want to talk? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that, again, I would like to say thank you for your service and for all that you've done to help keep us safe at all times. Uh, for this episode today, we are going to be giving a free appraisal. VA appraisals right now are $600, and they can go up from there if they're unique property, if they're farther out, manufactured, whatever it might be. And so because of that, we are going to give a free appraisal to uh, anybody who is contacts us to purchase or refinance a house before the end of the month. So you have until uh, November 30th to make that happen. Definitely. And um, if you guys become a follower of our podcast and you follow every single episode, we're going to let you guys know what will be the special, hopefully, for the next month. But for this month, 
thanks to veterans, this is our special. If you're a veteran or anyone in your family is a veteran, please let them know that uh, until end of this month, we're offering that. And uh, also today, we're going to talk about two major subjects. First, um, for first-time homebuyers, because that's the um, uh, area where a lot of people because they never bought and sold properties, they might have most questions. And also, we're going to gear at the end towards uh, VA loans, which is only for veterans. And there's a specific stuff that we need to know about uh, VA loans that we want to talk about all of them today in this episode. All right. So what we're going to go over is the mistakes most people have made over the last 15 to 20 years that I've noticed as a first-time homebuyer. Uh, some of the things that I've noticed recently is you've got a lot of people who are getting paid, putting their money in the bank from their job, and then taking it out and keeping it at their house. When it comes to purchasing a home, the bank has to be able to source or season your funds, which means they have to know where that money comes from if it's being deposited, like if you get a direct deposit from your, uh, from your employer or if you get paid via a paper paycheck and you deposit those, if they're over a certain amount, usually it's 1% of the purchase price, they will require uh, proof of what that deposit was. So if you're depositing cash, it's very hard to, to verify where that cash came from. Unless you took it from one bank account and deposited it into another bank account on the same day, you're gonna have a problem verifying what that cash is from. And I've had a lot of people tell me, well, those are my paychecks. I deposit the money that I take it out. The bank doesn't care. Basically what it comes down to, the underwriter has to look at it and say, can I 100% verify that that is where those funds came from? So you wanna make sure that you don't put any large amounts of cash into your account. And if you have or need money in your account, that that money is there. And when I say seasoned, means that that has to be in your account for 60 days uh, prior to you closing on your home or sourced, putting a large amount of money in if you get a settlement check or if you get a, a gift from a family member, whatever it might be, if you can prove where those funds came from, then you're okay. But those are the that's one of the biggest mistakes that I've seen is people keeping their cash at home and then you talk to them and they say, well, I've got about $20,000, let's go ahead and buy a house. And then you say, well, what's going on with these bank statements? You said you had $20,000, there's only $1,500 in here. Oh, it's under my mattress. That doesn't work. That doesn't work for the mortgage company. That doesn't work for the underwriter. They won't use it. So that's one. Number two is uh, getting really excited about buying a house. The, you, you end up getting excited that you're going to buy this house and you say, let's go buy a new refrigerator and couch and a chair and a table and a bed. And we're going to go buy all this and we're just going to go put it on credit or we're going to go open a new credit card. What happens is, is whenever you whenever you submit a loan application to a bank, uh, they will put a credit monitoring system on you, meaning that if you have any credit checks from the time the loan starts until the time the loan closes, they're going to want to verify what that is. And if you obtain new credit, it'll even tell them new credit was obtained. This is the amount. This is how much is owed. And that could then, somebody who's pushing their limit of what they can qualify for could push them over the limit and not qualify. So if you're gonna be buying a house, don't try and make any new purchases with new credit cards. If you have an established credit card, that's fine, you can use that. 
Don't go buy a new car. Don't go buy a motorcycle and put it on credit. Don't buy things. If you're trying to buy a house, do that one transaction and try not to do two or three transactions because the bank will require proof of pretty much everything. Awesome. So you mentioned something that I want to kind of like backtrack on that. Uh, you mentioned bank statement. Uh, so here's the thing. Um, I guess what we need to uh, look overall is um, as a first-time home buyer, what do you need to become a qualified buyer? Every time I try to explain it, I'm not a lender, I'm a realtor, but uh, my buyer client need just uh, uh, enough information from me, like enough to be dangerous. So I give them just a, a surface, but then when we go and have our consultation with Brian, he can go more in depth with them. So to me, there's like four different things. Uh, like your income is 25% of it. The other 25% is your credit. Then uh, how much money you have, which is your bank statement, that's where you show it. And then how, uh, also uh, your tax return, how much money you claim that you made and you lost. So let's go over those. Yeah, not a problem. So whenever somebody comes to my office or they're wanting to get qualified, there's several things that we need to do. Number one is the bank is going to go back two years on your income. They're going to want to see what you've done for the last two years. If you've had the same job for the last two years, then you're gonna have, like if we're talking about today, if somebody came to me today, November 11th, 2021, the bank would say, we want your last two paycheck stubs, as long as you get paid twice a month, so it has to cover a month. If you get paid weekly, you need four. We need your 2020 W-2 and your 2019 W-2. That's what you need for a wage earner. If you work for a company and they pay you a W-2, if you are 1099 or self-employed, they're gonna require your 2019 and your 2020 tax returns. That's what they will require. Uh, On top of that, what they're also gonna require is two months worth of bank statements. And when I say bank statements, I mean the statements that they look like when you were supposed to get them in the mail. Most everybody does everything online now, should be able to pull it off the internet. Not a lot of people actually get paper statements in the mail anymore, but that's what they're looking for. They're not looking for a screenshot of how much money you have in the account. They're looking for an actual statement. Nothing's blacked out. There has to be your account number, the bank's name, your name and address, and all the transactions. So... They need two months of that. They'll want a copy of your driver's license or passport. If you are a, um, if you're not a, if you're not a U.S. citizen but you're a permanent resident alien, they're going to require a copy of that card front and back. If you have an employment authorization card, they're going to require the front and back of that card as well. Um, they're going to require those things along with. Um, the purchase price, or you're going to want to. We're going to. Once we get those things, we can determine what the purchase price of the property would be. Um, We can go over the amount of income you have coming in. Uh, We would then check your credit and see how much debt you have. And a lot of times when people think of debt, they think of, oh, my car, it's a $45,000 car. That's how much I owe. The bank doesn't care how much you owe. They care about how much you pay monthly. It's based on your monthly payments and not how much you owe. You could have, and I have, I've had people uh, who have a 
$200,000 student loan and their payments $450 a month. That's all they care about is the $450 a month. They don't care about the $200,000 student loan. So that's what they're going to look at is they're going to look at your income, your credit, and your assets. That will determine how much money you qualify for. Awesome. So right there, um, question comes up as far as debt to income ratio. Let's explain that. And I, I'm sure in different type of loan, it's different. Yep. Correct? Okay, so. All right, let's, let's explain that. So debt to income ratio or DTI is what people call it. Um, the debt to income ratio is different for each type of loan and each scenario. So typically I'm just gonna give you the max of what it could be. It could be lower depending on the situation, but the maximum debt to income ratio for a conventional loan is 50%. For a FHA or VA loan, it's 55.99%. So that's the maximum. Now, what is debt to income ratio? Debt to income ratio is the amount of your gross, and this is for a wage earner, somebody who gets paid a W-2. It's the amount of your gross income. So if somebody, if you ask somebody, hey, how much money do you make? And they say, well, I bring home about $2,000 a month. That's what they bring home. That's not their gross income. Their gross income is probably closer to 25, 2,600 a month. It's your gross income divided by all your debts. So an easy calculation is if we're trying to figure out a conventional loan and we say their maximum debt to income ratio is 50% and they're salaried and they make 60,000 a year, that's $5,000 a month. So $5,000 a month is what they're gonna use for their gross income. 50% is what you can use for the maximum debt to income ratio, which means they have $2,500, which is 50% of 5,000, $2,500 for their new mortgage payment, plus all the debts that show up monthly on their credit report. So let's say they have a $500 car payment and $300 in six different credit cards that they pay monthly. So that's 800 bucks that you're going to have to take away from 2,500, which means you're going to qualify for somewhere around $1,700 for a monthly mortgage payment. And then from there, we figure out how much money you're putting down an estimated purchase price, and we say, okay, the maximum you're going to qualify for this is now this much money. That's how you figure out the debt to income ratio for a self or sorry, for a wage earner. Uh, that doesn't take into consideration if you have child support or alimony, if you have to pay child support, or if you have to pay alimony, those also get included in there uh, yeah. as debts. Um, things like phone bills or you know, gym memberships or car insurance, those don't count. It's whatever shows up on your credit report. Typically what's gonna show up on your credit report are gonna be car loans, credit cards, student loans, uh, any kind of personal loan um, for furniture or you know, it could be for anything. So those are the things that are typically gonna show up on a credit report. Um, and then with a self-employed person, they don't use the gross income. So when a self-employed person is telling you how much money they made, they could have claimed on their taxes that they made $200,000. That's their gross income. The bank doesn't care about their gross income. They base it off of their net income. So if you take their gross income, then you look at all of their deductions. I've had people that make $500,000 a year in gross income and then you look at all their deductions and it shows they made $23,000 for the year. And you're like, I've okay. I've seen worse. I've seen negative income. Yeah. Like, 
Are you kidding me? How so, you leave? <laughs> so the reason that is is because as a self-employed person, you can pretty much write off a lot of things. And so um, when it comes to dealing with a self-employed person, mm. you kind of have to be strategic in how they file their taxes to be able to help them qualify to buy a house if they're going a traditional mortgage route. There are other mortgage routes of doing bank statement loans to prove how much money you get deposited into your bank statements. Is it the one called a stated income? No, they don't really do a stated income anymore. A stated income is back in the day when they had the like mortgage meltdown, uh, 2006, 2005, four. It's where you would say, yeah, I'm a realtor. Um, I'm not going to show you any of my uh, any of my documentation. I make $50,000 a month. And they say, okay, sounds good. Oh. Now you just state how much money you make. Yeah, it sounds uh, like so, you're making 50000 Okay, you're good. <laughs> yep. So a bank statement loan is where they take 24 months of your 12 or 24 months of your bank statements. They add up all the deposits and divide it by either 12 or 24 months. That's what your monthly income is based on your deposits if, it's your, if you're a self-employed person. So that's another type of loan. But typically those require more down payment than others. And the interest rate's a little bit higher because it's not a traditional type of loan. But... That's when it comes to the income to use for a self-employed person on a traditional loan, that is going to be the net income of what you claim on your taxes. Awesome. So um, now let's talk about most common type of loan that we have. And uh, just an example of the client that we just, uh, I mean, we closed yesterday, but they got the key today. Uh, I remember you, you mentioned if they're going conventional, uh, up until end of this year, their maximum loan amount is so much, and then next year it's going to be different. So let's give those information to our uh, audience as well and go over every single one of those major loans, like FHA, conventional, yeah. VAs, and all that. Gotcha. So can, there's, there's what they call loan limits. Um, FHA currently has a loan limit of $362,250. So... You cannot get a loan higher than $362,250 for an FHA loan. You can get a purchase price if you pay the loan amount down below to that number or lower. You just can't get a loan amount higher than that currently. That changes every January 1st. We don't have the number out yet. For FHA? For don't. FHA. It, doesn't, it comes out usually the first week of December. Okay. So we're right around the corner. So if you guys actually follow our episodes, we're going to reveal that once it's out. But question before we go to the next type of loan. Um, so for FHA, let's say someone uh, wants to buy a $400,000 home. Yep. And they have the rest as a down payment in their account, not in uh, their mattress and in their safe at their house, but actually in their bank, uh, bank mm -hmm. account. So doesn't really matter, right? No, typically. So typically as with FHA, it's going to be people who have a some kind of credit issue is what I would say. Either your credit score is lower or you need to have a higher debt to income ratio or you've had a bankruptcy or foreclosure in the last four years or seven years. So there's a few rules as to why you'd use a uh, an FHA loan if you had like 10% down. So if you're buying a house for 400,000 and you have to pay it down to 362, it's almost 10%. Um, typically you'd go with a conventional loan unless you have credit under like a six. So you had the money, but you didn't have the good credit. You had no choice but going FHA. Then that's the only time they would go 
Uh, yeah. So I mean, there's there's different ways to look at. It. I mean, it's it's kind of a case by case basis. It's hard to say exactly every single different scenario as to why somebody would go FHA and not conventional or why they would go conventional and not FHA. But current maximum loan amount is $362,250. The first week of December, we will know what the new FHA loan limit will be. The current conventional loan limit is $548,250. The new one that comes out January 1st is 625. Oh wow! So that's almost sixty eighty five thousand increase. Yeah. So awesome. typically FHA follows their suit and they increase it not as much, but they'll. Our expectation is the new FHA loan limit here in Clark County because it's based on county. Every county is different. Mm-hmm. Some counties are higher, some are lower. Um, we expect it to be probably somewhere between four fifteen and four thirty for a for a max loan amount. That's a great news because. Of course, if you guys been following the market trend, market went up a lot, especially uh, in Las Vegas Valley area in certain neighborhood, uh, it went up to 25% from the beginning of this year. So a home that used to be sold, let's say at uh, 300,000, now 25% on top of that is 375, if I'm not wrong, correct? Yeah, so that's $75,000 difference. So that increase on the loan amount hopefully going to help a lot of buyers that currently they might not be qualified because they're just exceeding their max uh, loan amount. Uh, as you guys can uh, see, there's a lot into each one of those loans. Like There's like layers of things that if you want to go in depth, this video will be like four hours video. In today's episode, all we're going to do is just go over the basic of each one of them, lay the foundation because in the future, we're going to have a day that we only talk about, let's say, FHA and everything that you need to know about it. Next time, we're going to only talk about convention on every single different scenarios that we think uh, it can happen. And also, of course, VA. But today, towards the end, we're going to go over everything that there is for VA. So let's continue where we left yeah. off. Uh, so, so 625 is the new loan limit for conventional. Now, a lot of banks are even accepting those loan limits now oh. before the end, before the beginning of the year. So 625 is the loan limit. And when I say that, that means if you get a loan amount over 625, it then becomes a jumbo loan jumbo. and not a conventional. And the differences are conventional uses the typically we'll use Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac online underwriting system. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to take all the information, compile it into your system, and you run it through Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac's online underwriting system. And it'll tell you, yes, you're approved or no, you're not. As long as what you put in your system, you can prove. Jumbo, completely different. They don't have that. There's no, anything above that, it's just manual underwriting, where an underwriter has to look at everything and they have to determine the debt-to-income ratio and they have to figure out exactly how much they qualify for on a jumbo loan. So that's why... Generally speaking, which one is easier? Conventional. Is easier. Is easier, yeah. So conventional is easier and typically will have better interest rates and terms than a jumbo loan. Jumbo loans typically have higher interest rates and uh, makes it... it just the, the qualifications are more difficult. Like I have one right now where the guy is buying a house. He's in San Diego. He's buying it for uh, $1.3 million. He's putting 10% down. Well, they're requiring 10% down plus 24 months of reserves. Reserves are 
months of bank months of your mortgage payment in your bank at closing, meaning your mortgage payment's $5,000 on that kind of a house. Your, your mortgage payment is $5,000. They're requiring 24 months, which is $120,000. So you have to have your 10% down plus, plus $120,000 in your bank account at closing to show that you have enough reserves to close on that transaction. So wow. there's a little, there's those, those kind of things, whereas conventional doesn't require reserves on most products. So you put 10% down. If you have 10% down and you have one penny left in your account, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter. So that's where they're better for conventional than jumbo. Quick question. Uh, I know this is a very general question and um, we just want to say based on today, November 11, 2021, don't quote us six months down the road on that because this changed constantly, almost like in a daily basis. Because you might hear uh, here and there, they say, we need to lock your rate. We need to uh, make sure we get it uh, at the right rate. That's how really good loan officer will come in and watch the market and see what day would be a best day to lock your rate. Because day by day, it's different. Some, sometimes it's, hours it's, by hour. Here. It's just like a stock market. Uh, so today, ongoing rate. Because... Here's another thing. Um, we just closed a couple of deals, and one of them, um, they kind of didn't like the fact that their interest rate was 3.3. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, this is the ongoing best rate that you can get. But they heard their cousin uh, closed six months ago, 2.5 or 2.75. So let's take that mystery out of the game. Let's talk about that right now. <laughs> Rates? Rates. rates are hard to say because rates, rate, rates. rates are really scenario specific, meaning that if you come to me, I could tell you your rate's one. So, somebody else could come to me, I could tell them the rate's different. It all depends on credit score, how much money you're putting down, and what type of loan product. And that's another thing to look at is that people could say, well, like your scenario where they got 3.3%, their cousin could have been a, a veteran and it could have been a VA loan. VA loans are typically going to be half a percent lower than conventional loans. So, uh, or it was an FHA loan, which is usually about half a percent lower. So like right now, you're anywhere between three and a quarter to three and a half for a conventional loan. And, you know, FHA and VA is... 2.5 to 3% depending on different characteristics. I don't, like I said, these rates are based on just throwing out there. Many what, different factors. There's many different factors, and there's not a specific rate that said, hey, today's rate is this. Yes. So That's why I want to throw this question because I constantly, when we talk to a prospect buyer, and once we do our buyer consultation with them and kind of let them know what's going on, um, once I feel like they're ready to be in front of Brian, then uh, we get Brian either on the phone and uh, or we just go to his office uh, and then we pretty much have him spend his time and go more deeper. But uh, first thing they ask, what's the rate right now? I mean, it's just a very broad question to answer and I want you guys to hear it from the professional because again and again, disclaimer, I'm not a lender. He's the licensed loan officer. I'm a realtor. 
That's why I, I have him talking about this kind of stuff. So it's not coming out of me. Yeah, the other thing, too, is, is that you'll see this happens probably weekly, multiple times a week, where somebody will call me and say, well, I saw on the Internet that it was at 1.99%, or it was at 2.5%. Why are you telling me it's 3.3%? And 99% of the time I say, send me the proof of what you've got. And then they'll send it to me, and I'll look at it, and there's like this little teeny asterisk that says, with a 740 credit score, 40% down payment, and three points. And then I explained that. I said, well, yeah, I, I can get you the same thing. Do you want to pay three points? And they say, well, what's that? I go, well, let's talk about that. A point is 1% of your loan amount. So if you have a $400,000 loan amount, you're going to pay your normal closing cost plus $4,000 for each point. Mm -hmm. So you're talking 12,000 additional dollars. So you're going to, you're, you're going to be paying your closing cost instead of being six or $7,000 are going to be Eighteen to nineteen thousand dollars, and then you're gonna say, "Well, why is it so expensive?" Well, that's what they're advertising. Just because it shows a rate doesn't mean that there's conditions with it. So that's that's what happens a lot of times, and pretty much happens on a weekly basis, where somebody will say, "Well, I saw this or I saw that," and then you tell them that, "Well, send me the proof of what you've got," and then you you kind of point out to them where it says, you know, all the different you know terms or conditions behind it, and then I say, "So you're more than welcome to call them." And get a quote from them, but I'm guaranteeing you that it's not going to be this, or it'll be this, but then your closing costs instead of the seven thousand that you're paying now will be nineteen thousand. Definitely. So that's that's kind of where it, where, where you look at it. Right? So so far, you guys learn a lot of different terminology today. Uh, one of them was like debt to income ratio. The other one is we just talk about it. It's basically called. I don't remember what you talked about. What are we talking about? <laughs> it's called... <laughs> Stop it. All of a sudden, I blank up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, we're going we're gonna to use this part as an end of the video. Where we mess Loopers. up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, okay. So I'm going to start again. Um, points. You, you were talking about points. We call them what? Uh, buying down your rate. Oh, buying down your rate, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Okay. So, ready? Go. <laughs> All right. So, we talked about buying down the rate or points. Points or buying down the rate is basically paying extra money at closing to get your rate lower. And what happens is, is that it it's not always the best for everybody. And the reason is, is because when somebody's buying a house and they are fixated on an interest rate, oh, well, I really wanted to get 3% or I really wanted to get under three, I wanted 2.99. And you say, well, I can give you three and a quarter and there's no points, or I can get you 2.99 and you have to pay an extra $2,500 at closing. Then you have to explain to them, but here's where that comes into effect is that you are paying $2,500 extra right now but you're going to save, and it could be anywhere from $15 to $30 a month. So you're going to save $15 to $30 a month, but you're going to pay $2,500 now, which means that let's say you buy it down, you would have to pay your mortgage for five, six, seven, eight, nine years, making your minimum payments every month before you save that $2,500 in the $30 a month savings that you're getting. Yes. And then when you explain that to them, they say, well, that doesn't make sense. Why would I do that? It's just one of those things where you have to kind of be 
you know, vigilant in what they're trying to get at so that they understand what, they're, what, the, what the whole scenario is. Once you run the numbers, numbers don't lie. Yeah. <laughs> Very much. Awesome. So with that being said, let's go to VA. Yeah, so VA, when it comes down to it, we'll go over first loan amount. So VA used to have a maximum loan amount, and then anything over that, you have to put money down and all that stuff. They did away with that. So you don't have a maximum loan amount now. Do you remember when that went out? I think it was like a, a year and a half, two years ago, something oh, like that. So, so right around where, when Corona and pandemic and all that stuff. Yeah, right maybe a little time, bit before that. But yeah, so... You don't have to have, there's no thing. So before, if you had like the conventional loan limit is what they considered a county loan limit. And so if the conventional loan limit was 548, let's just say 625 is what it's going to be. If it was 625 previously, anything above that, you'd have to put 25% of the difference. So if you bought a house for 725, that's a $100,000 difference. You'd have to put 25% of that or $25,000 down. They did away with that. You can go up to a million, you go up to higher than that. So you can, you don't have to be stuck at putting money down or having any kind of limit on what you can qualify for loan amount wise. So that's, that's where it's kind of changed for VA. Um, let's go over a few things with VA then. So VA was, or is, I always tell people one of, if not the best loan you can get. Yes. And By far. The reason is yeah. when you purchase a home, and I'm just going to go off of what like a typical VA home buyer is. Nine times out of 10, they don't want to put any money down because they don't have to. And the interest rates are so low right now. Why would you put a bunch of money down when you can save that money and, exactly. and pay a small interest? So VA does not require a down payment. A lot of times uh, uh, the veterans or older veterans especially will get confused and say, well, I don't have a, VA doesn't require a down payment, so I don't have to pay any money. That's not true. VA does not require a down payment, but you still have closing costs and the VA does not cover pay closing attention. costs. attention. This is where it gets more convoluted. Yep. So VA does not cover closing costs. And then the other caveat on top of that is VA also has two types of loans with a funding fee and without a funding fee. So a funding fee is a fee that the VA charges to all veterans unless they're a disabled veteran. VA charge, not the mortgage company, not loan officer. This is VA. And it's the same for every single person. So if you, if you have never purchased a home as a VA loan before, it's 2.4% of the loan amount. Oh, wow. If you put down, and then you don't have to pay that at closing. What happens is they take that 2.4% and they add it on to the loan amount. So like if you had a $100,000 loan amount, 2.4% is $2,400. Your new actual loan amount, even though your purchase price is $100, your loan amount is $102,400. That's how it works. So that's what the funding fee is. Now, if you've had a VA loan before and you are buying another one and you're putting less than 5% down, it's 3.6%. So it can get quite spendy if you're going to be buying a five, six, seven hundred thousand dollar house. You're talking about a you know, fifteen, eighteen, twenty thousand dollars addition to your loan amount over what your purchase price is. So that is uh, the VA loan. Now, if you're putting five percent or ten percent down, those amounts drop, but I'm just going with the most realistic scenarios. Zero down, 
you have a funding fee, it's added to your loan amount. If you don't have a funding fee, you don't have to pay the funding fee and your loan amount is, you buy a house for 100,000, your loan amount's 100,000. That's how it works. And a lot of people think, oh, well, I'm a disabled veteran, I don't have to pay anything. That's not true. Closing cost or closing cost, those aren't part of the VA's loan. Those are part of you purchasing the transaction. Those are taxes, those are insurance, those are title fees. Exactly. The VA is not gonna pay for those. So that is the, the long and short of a VA loan. Now VA, again, they allow you to go up to 55.99% debt to income ratio, so you can qualify for more. On top of that, what we haven't really talked about now is when you put less than 20% down on a house, FHA, VA, or FHA conventional, you put less than 20% down on a house, there's what they call mortgage insurance, or PMI. So anything under 25%? Anything where they put less than 20% down. Oh, less than 20%. So if you put less than 20% down, there's PMI or mortgage insurance. That's not the same as homeowner's insurance. Like if somebody breaks in and steals stuff or your house catches on fire, it's mortgage insurance. Mortgage insurance is you paying an insurance on behalf of the bank. The bank is saying, we're letting, the bank says it, it takes us or costs us 20% of the equity of your home to foreclose. So if you don't put 20% down and we have to foreclose on you, we need to be protected. And so for us letting you buy a house with less than 20% down, here is an additional insurance that's going to cover our butt, but you're going to pay for it. And so they charge it to you. Well, that's on conventional FHA. VA is great because there's no mortgage insurance. Oh, wow. So if somebody's buying a $350,000 house for FHA, but they could do a VA loan, your payment's going to be several hundred dollars cheaper on a VA loan than an FHA loan because of the fact that you don't have to pay mortgage insurance. Same rate, same everything, except for FHA has mortgage insurance, VA doesn't. So you can then qualify for more of a house where if you're doing an FHA loan and you're capped out at your maximum debt-to-income ratio, you end up not having to pay the mortgage insurance. You can then go a little bit higher on what you could qualify for. So that's one of the best, that's the best option, the best reason why people use VA loans opposed to other loans. Awesome. Uh, I just remembered another question. Um, as far as using VA loan for a veteran, so is there a cap how many times they can you, you can use your VA loan as many times as you want. The only rule or caveat to that is, is that typically you can't have more than one at a time. You can but then it becomes convoluted and it's really one of those case by case uh -huh. deals. So I would have to look at how much your entitlement was charged on your last VA loan and then figure out this calculation to see what you would qualify for a new one. But if you sell it and you pay it off, whatever it might be, you can get as many VA loans as you want one after another, as long as the other one's paid off, there's no limit to them. So you can do that as many times as you want. Yes, so this was one of the most asked questions so far about VA that, hey, uh, what if I, I use my VA loan and I buy this home, but this is not exactly the home that I really want, but it's better than renting for now for me. But what if I just, you know, wait and I just don't burn it and, and 
buy the home that I really want. So that's why I brought it up to Brian to make sure it's all clear. So they can use it as many times as they want. As many times as you want. So the only difference, a lot of people think, oh, well, VA, are, VA loans are really hard to qualify for. And or VA appraisals, they're so difficult. VA, they, they have a lot of requirements. Yeah, and honestly, uh, I've been representing buyers and sellers, right? So let's, let's go over that part of it too. So when I'm representing a seller or uh, when my buyer is a VA buyer, I just gotta uh, let them know from the beginning, hey, we're going down the ranking. If someone offer them cash at the right price, that's it. They're going to get it because there won't be no loan and no appraisal and no uh, maybe we're going to close on it. It's cash. They just buy. Then next step to cash will be conventional because technically based on what you just heard earlier, conventional, uh, whoever get qualified for conventional typically have more money and better credit. Yeah. And uh, that's why it's just look better for uh, when when uh, uh, realtor going to over uh, review all the offers with the seller. It's our um, we're obligated to explain all of it because that's our our uh, duty to our client. Which in this case, let's say I'm a, a seller's agent. So I'm going to say, okay, we have a cash offer, we have a conventional offer, we have a FHA, and we have VA. So there's a couple of things with VA, um, like, for example, seller need to pay for certain uh, inspection, like termite is one of them, right? Yeah, so that's the big misconception is that, oh, well, if I go with a VA, if I'm a seller and I pick this VA buyer, I'm going to have to pay extra fees or whatever. The only one fee extra that they have to pay is the termite inspection, which yeah, is like $75. Yeah. So that's the one thing. Other than that, it's the exact same if somebody was doing a VA or conventional loan. Mm -hmm. And then people also think, oh, well, I heard that VA is really difficult on their appraisals. Like they're really difficult on, on qualifying their appraisals and the, the appraisers are looking for things that might make it more difficult to get an actual appraisal done or they are more conservative. And I'll tell you right now, nine times out of 10, every VA appraiser is also licensed as an FHA and a conventional appraisal appraiser. They're gonna give you the same value if it's a VA appraisal, a conventional appraisal, or an FHA appraisal. Yeah. It's the same thing with FHA and conventional. A lot of people say, oh, well, it's an FHA, we don't wanna to have to deal with an FHA appraisal. They're going to give you the same value. Yeah, because as they a, just go based on what is the market comp of the property. Exactly. Same thing, literally exact the same thing as us as a realtor. If we want to sell your home, we're going to run the CMA or basically market comp of your property showing that, hey, Mrs. and Mr. Seller, let's say this is your property in this neighborhood. This is your floor plan and everything is correct. Yes. Okay. So same home as you, exact the same model next street or two street down in your neighborhood was sold, let's say, a month ago, let's say for $480,000. And then looking at their photo and here at your house, let's say your house is either have more uh, upgrade or have less upgrade, but it's not going to be all of a sudden 580 or 380. It's around that range. It might be $20,000, $30,000 up, up or down. So based on that, 
they basically run the comp and, and, and basically price the property properly as a seller's agent if they do their homework. And then when it comes to appraisal, they use exactly the same method. So if I run the comp, do my homework for my seller and show them that, hey, most likely in this market, this is how much your uh, home going to be appraised and, and I'm right on the number, then we never would have appraisal issue. Because appraisal uses exactly the same method that I use. Literally the same software, everything is the same. Yeah, so getting back to the VA loan, the qualifications for a VA, for a conventional FHA, they're all the exact same. They're gonna require the exact same documents. The only one additional thing that you need for a VA loan that you don't need for the other ones is what's called a certificate of eligibility. That is the basically the VA saying, yes, you are eligible to, to do a VA loan. Uh, typically, we can pull those up off the internet from the VA's website pretty quickly. If they're an older person, you know, 40 years or older, uh, sometimes it doesn't pop up right away unless they've had recent multiple, you know, homes. But the only the way to get it is getting your DD-214 or the NGB-22, which is the form that they get when they get discharged from the military. Um and then we send that to the VA and within three to five days, they give you the certificate of eligibility. So that's the one additional document that you need for VA that you don't need for the other ones. And a lot of people have said, oh, well, VA is so much more difficult or they do this and it's a lot harder. VA is the easiest, best loan out there, hands down. If I was gonna, if, if somebody- So if it's up to you, you wanna do VA every day. Yeah, if somebody comes to me <laughs> and they say, oh, well, I can do a VA loan or I can do a conventional. And I say, okay, but I'm gonna put 20% down. I'm like, okay. Um, and they say, well, I wanna go conventional. I say, well, why do you wanna go conventional? Oh, because, you know, I heard that it's better if you go conventional. And then I tell them, I say, okay, listen, your conventional loan with 20% down, your interest rate, I'm just using hypothetical interest rates, your interest rate's 3.25% you're putting 20% down on a VA loan. You're not a disabled veteran, or you are. If you are, then it's the exact same thing. If you're not a disabled veteran, then you're gonna have a funding fee. That funding fee is 1.4%, so it's a lot lower. Um, it gets added on, but your interest rate is 2.75 instead of 3.25. So I say, why would you wanna go and spend more money monthly to do a conventional loan than doing a plus put down 20%. Yeah, so you, I mean, you could put the 20% down still, yeah, but you're you're gonna be looking at spending more if you're looking at apples to apples, you're spending more monthly for conventional than you are FA or VA. So that's where I always try to educate people. Every time they come in, I always explain the different options that are available to them, but VA best loan option around, period. You all heard that. If you guys know any uh, veterans, this is the month we're running this special. Until end of this month, Brian is offering free appraisal, which is roughly about six hundred. Six hundred bucks. Yep. Okay. And um, also, we're going above and beyond for our veterans. Uh, I have many veterans' case. Uh, matter of fact, one of the uh, best friend of mine, which work in my team. We just bought a home last year for him. Yeah. And uh, you might hear him in the background. I don't know if the mic is picking up his voice or not. <laughs> no? no? But yeah, he's here in our office right now talking to a client. 
But other than that, uh, we want to cut this video short and right to the point. There's many other things that I really want to ask, but uh, I guess we just don't want to make this video so long. But please, please don't forget to go to all our social medias, follow, because we're going to reveal many, many different things like all these specials that we are offering in our team and also the future episodes that we want to answer all your questions. Without knowing your question, we don't know what to answer. So that's the only way we can stay connected. You follow us, we follow you back, stay connected, and hopefully we can bring more value to you guys. Other than that, thank you very, very much, Brian, yep. for your time. Appreciate it. Guys, stay tuned for our next episode. Uh, we're going to go way more in detail about credit. That's the biggest mystery out there, and that's the most resistant we get from a lot of clients uh, because of many different reasons that we're going to go over it, hopefully in our next episode. Talk to you guys soon. With that being said, I'm going to pass it on to Brian. If you want to have any conclusion for our video and uh, say anything else to our audience. Yeah. Uh, again, once again, happy Veterans Day. Um, my brother, really good friend of mine, my brother, we grew up together, just me and him, veteran, served in the Marines, and I'm proud of what he's been able to accomplish as a person and how it made him a better person being in the military. And I can't thank the military enough for protecting uh, us here at home and allowing us to be free and be able to believe in what we want to believe in and act how we want to act. And um, I'm just grateful for uh, what they've been able to do for us. And thank you guys for watching and I appreciate it. And uh, thank you and we'll see you guys tomorrow or next week. Definitely. Talk to you guys soon.